Amen. As you have a seat, I just want to say again, thank you so much for being here this morning. I uh, look forward to connecting with you this week and several of the things that we've got going on, especially on Wednesday as we gather together at different times during the day to pray um, just for needs that we have, for needs from our church. Um, it's going to be a good week. It's going to be a really good week. Um, I don't know what your past relationship has been with sweet potatoes. If some of you may have noticed at this point, this is where I air my grievances of life um, on Sunday mornings. Um, I, I have made some pretty, I'll call them strong comments about the way that I really believe that sweet potatoes should be prepared at Thanksgiving. This may not be important to you. Frankly, I don't care. Um, I feel like sweet potato casserole should have like the brown sugar and pecan stuff on top. All that, I don't know what the mixture is. It's like... I don't know. It's, it's like angels get sprinkled on top. I don't, I don't know what it is. But I, I, like, I, think that, and I think that's where you ought to stop. Some people have been misguided and have been tricked and fooled in life. And people that you love have lied to you and said that you ought to put marshmallows on top. Don't you clap. Um, and I, I've been, I mean, I've been strong worded about this recently. And, and just to prove my point of how I, I, mean, I feel affirmed in this now because... Yesterday, um, I got a text message. Actually, I got a FaceTime video, but where I was, it was just video was not working. And it was our student pastor, Ethan. And he said, man, I don't know what you've been praying lately. He said, but look at these sweet potatoes. Um, they were doing a, a Thanksgiving meal on, Friday, on Saturday with some family. And, and he did it. He made the mistake. He put, I mean, marshmallows all over the top of that thing. And it was as black as it could be. Like, the, like God touched that oven, and it just... It went sideways, like it burned it up, it, it dripped down and all this stuff. I mean, they're like literally chipping it apart with a knife and having to like peel it off. And he says, man, I don't know how, how you got this done, but he said, man, you really are connected. I said, yeah. I said, I pray for people like you, right? So just telling you, I think just lining the sand, folks, if we can just move forward a little differently with our sweet potatoes, uh, those of you that are still using marshmallows, it could be you next. I don't know. I just, I don't want bad things to happen to people I care about and I love. So just, you know, just consider, just consider. Um, we've been in a series called Grace. Um, ne- just to let you know, next week we're starting our Christmas series, which is, um, it's going to be called Christmas by Design. And we're going to look um, over at the Christmas story at events around Christmas. And we're specifically going to be looking at some, th- some things that were um, divinely done so that we can see just how miraculous the story of Jesus' birth is at Christmas. But we're also, as we look at those, we'll see just what it says about God. Because there's so much richness in the details of that story that, that if we, like at Christmas time, we just kind of get in the rhythm of reading it. It's like we, we believe it and we know it, but we almost just kind of like move through it fast. And there's a few details in there that speak so clearly to really who God is and how he works and how we can depend on him um, that, that it's, it, it is the Christmas story, but it's also our story. Um, so we're going to be spending a few weeks looking at that. I really think this will be an encouraging season. Um, and, and if you have someone that you think, man, it's Christmas time, they're probably thinking this will be a great time to come to church as a family. Please invite them in. Uh, we also have a service at 1045 um, as we have our kids program and stuff going on. We'll be talking to you about we, you'll probably need some help kind of being in different services at time to make sure we can welcome people in, especially around the holidays. Um, but this is going to be a great a, gr- a great set of weeks to really invite somebody in just so they can hear, man, this is, this is really who God is. This is how he works. Um, and, and, it's, and it's part of our celebration, but it's, it's, it's really 
what our lives are supposed to be lived out like. Um, today we're going to be still in grace that is greater. Um, I, I don't. We we may not come back to grace that is greater after this week. I don't. I I, I don't. I don't think we will. Um, but at the same time, this is not a wrap up message because I don't know how you wrap up God's grace. I don't know how you can say, all right, here's the conclusion to all that is God's grace. Because um, I, I really hope my prayer has been through this series that you've heard these messages and and you've really gotten a sense that um, we're, we're not, um, in salvation, we receive grace by grace that we're saved. Um, but as we walk through our life, God's not just going to kind of cram his grace into us. Um, his grace is something that, that we, um, we have a part to play in. Uh, we, in fact, can limit the experience that we have in certain ways with God's grace. Um, we can be an obstacle to his grace. But his grace, as we've talked about, is greater than so many things in life. And, and I hope, I hope that you haven't heard just big concepts. I mean, I, I hope you have heard the big concepts, but, but I hope it hasn't just been that. Because we really need specifics, and we really need to get intentional because, um, as, as we're going to look at today, and, and this is more specific-driven, that there are things that we need to actively be a part of doing and, and a part of what God is, is, is doing in our life. Um, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to them, not because of the perfect presentation of them, but because of just, th- th- this, this, is, this is great stuff. Like, this is, this is what we really need in our hearts and in our souls and, wor- and really rolling through our minds all the time, week to week, day to day. Um, I want to start out with a passage. We're not going to stay in here. We're not going to stay in Ephesians long. We're going to be mainly in 1 Peter today, chapter 5. So if you, if you have a Bible and you want to kind of anchor in a spot, 1 Peter chapter 5 would be a great place to go. Um, but just to kind of make sure that we're clear as we step into 1 Peter, I do want to read these verses out of Ephesians chapter 2. Um, there'll be a few words on the screen that'll be underlined that I hope brings some good clarity to kind of really how we see our own relationship with Jesus, but also um, that, that, it, that it is something that we're supposed to be directly, intentionally invested in. Um, this is Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 10. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift, it is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So here, here's a really key concept when it comes to grace. Great, salvation is, is grace, it is undeserved favor. As Christians, we are saved from our works, right? We're, we're saved from ourselves, but we're also saved for works. Does that make sense? This is what I mean. I can't do enough good things to deserve the love of God. I mean, the Bible is very clear. For every religion that will chase down, I've got to die 51% good. And honestly, good luck with that. I mean, if you really trace down, if you just really chase down the tracking of your own thoughts, I, I'm not even saying your thoughts, my thoughts, the, the number of times that frustration comes into my mind would have to be not equaled, but outnumbered by thoughts of generosity, thoughts of goodness. I mean, when, when you start trying to count that, those scales, you try to start to figure out that weight, that's an impossibility. Because of even all that we forget and all that we, all the favor we give ourselves. But the Bible takes care of that thought. It says that, that we all come short of the standard that God has. 
That's all of us. And, and, and it's so great because it doesn't single any one of us out. We're all in that same crowd. So it's not our bad that keeps us from knowing the Lord, but it's also not our good that gets us to him because the Bible also says that our goodness, our righteousness is like filthy rags. Okay, so, so our goodness is not quite good enough. But while we were sinners, while we were in a condition that we could not save ourselves, God came to earth in flesh and Jesus to die as a representative of, of us paying for our sin in a way that justifies, satisfies God so that we could know him if we put our faith and trust in him. We know that we're called by him and, and we, we submit to him as Lord, right? That's, that's a heart commitment. And, and when we're saved, we believe that when we're saved, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit and that's a permanent relationship that God gives us. So we're saved from ourselves. We're saved from the, the effort that we would try to convince ourselves that we have to put forth to be able to deserve God's love. We're saved from that. But because we're saved, we're saved with a purpose. We're his workmanship. We're who he's working through to reveal himself in many ways to, to the lost world that's around us, to other Christians that are in our lives, that we are a work in progress. And I know some of you are looking at somebody, you're, you're beside somebody, you're like, I know I'm sent beside a work in progress. We're, we're all works in progress for God's glory, not not, oh, you know, okay, I am what I am. No, but by the grace of God, like we talked about last week, Paul said, I am what I am. I'm, I am this because of God's grace. So we're saved for works that he's prepared for us. It's, it's, not, it's not that I've gotten saved and I've got to, okay, I've got I to figure out how to really kind of pay back God. No, because God knew that he would call me his own. Because God God. God looked ahead in eternity and he knew that I would have a season of time on earth he says then, then I will not just save you but I will prepare work for you and if you think day to day there's not a plan and there's not a purpose that's there please pause in life to hear God's call for what he does have for you you're not an accident and this life for him is not casual so if we're saved for good works, we're saved to participate with God in this grace process, we've also talked about some things that want to keep us from that. One of the things we talked about was sin. And, and, and sin, is, it's not just sin is what keeps us from saving grace, because it, it's, sin is, our, our, is a reflection of our need that saving grace solves, that works in us, and that we're also supposed to share coming out of us. But, but Romans also, we've spent some time in Romans 6, and it says that what, what should we do? Should we continue to sin? Like, should we choose the same sins over and over again so that we can stretch God's grace? And the, and the resounding answer, the cry of the gospel is, no, we're supposed, to, we're supposed to really come to God in repentance and get that out of our life. Because, because sin, even in a Christian's life, will keep us from experiencing the full measure of God's grace and what he can do in our life. We also talked about how Despair wants to convince us that, that events in our life are so horrible that we, we can't experience better. And despair wants to keep us from grace, but grace is greater than what our despair is. We, we talked about how if we miss out on grace, w one of the great dangers is that bitterness forms. And when, when bitterness takes root, it's something that numbs us and controls us. And, and it's, many hard, it's many times it's hard to detect in our own hearts. 
but we realize that that is something that, that's an obstacle between us and grace. Last week we talked about brokenness. Now I said my title of my message last week was grace that is greater than thankfulness, but it was really kind of sneaky because we talked a lot about how grace and, and this beautiful, um, this golden repair that God does in our life, that, that grace is also greater than brokenness. I hope you, you caught that in the message last week. We talked about how grace in, in its golden repair process takes us to gratitude, to, to focus on God, not just on the things that are better. So this week we're going to talk about um, something else that we need to really work through the process of to make sure that we're able to um, receive and really experience and live in the kind of grace that God wants to give us. In um, 1 Peter 5, now 1 Peter is a, is, a, is a letter written to a pretty wide group of believers in Jesus, followers of Jesus that, are, that have been dispersed. Um, these people are living under some pretty heavy turmoil in life. So, so right off the bat, this letter is not written to a bunch of people who just think, man, life is easy and perfect and, and, and just comfortable. This letter is going to a group of people that desperately need to hear it. And grace has really worked, worked, worked into the conversation over and over by Peter, but through the Holy Spirit. Um, we, we, I want to just really anchor into chapter 5 here. It says this, all, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. See, humility is a basic definition. This is the definition I, I love to use for myself, and, and I would suggest to, that you bar this and try this one out when it comes to humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's, just, it's honestly just thinking of yourself less. Um, because I want to fall victim to thinking less of myself and convincing myself that that's humility. It's not. Because if I am who God says I am, I can't belittle myself. Humility is thinking of myself less. It's thinking of others more. Thinking constantly, Lord, wh or what is your purpose, your design for what's going on in my life? The, the enemy to that is pride. It says here clearly, that, and this is a quote from the Old Testament, that God resists the pride. In other words, um, if we think we can live a life that's really guided by pride, then, then we have to acknowledge, God, I'm going to live outside, largely outside of your grace. And I think for so many of us, we don't, we don't want to even fathom a life that would be outside the grace of God. Like, are you kidding me? Just think about the events that we go through on a normal basis. Why in the world would we want to take a chance of living outside of God's grace, what it can do in us, but then also what it can do through us? Well, here's, here's the problem with pride. Um, pride is many things. Pride is self-satisfying. Pride is self-reliant. Pride is self-sufficient. Um, it denies God. It tries to take God's place. It's not accountable. See, when pride's in our life, it's just very simply this. I have the best idea. I mean, that's, that's pride. I can handle the problems that I have. I know what to do in this situation. I'm strong enough to handle what I'm in the middle of. That, that's pride. Because God is calling us to rely on him. And, and if we feel confident enough to where we can just handle everything that we could go through, then, then we feel like we have control. And guess what? That, that really is. That, that's lordship. That's the place that Jesus is supposed to hold. But, but I, I don't know about you, but I, I do find myself kind of wanting to move into that place. I, I want to I get the ideas that I can get about my finances and about my time and about what I can set my eyes on and my thoughts on. And, and I think I, I'm in control of so many of these things until all of a sudden 
I realize that it's not in control. And, and, and many times that's because I get a glimpse that it's not honoring to God. Well, a lot of times we think about humility from the standpoint of how do I show humility? Now, 1 Peter speaks really well to how we show humility to other people. It talks about how we love others um, and, and, and out of a sincere heart. That, that phrase is used multiple times. Um, and, and it's in chapters 4, 3, 2, and 1. If you didn't catch it, that's the whole countdown back from chapter 5, okay? Like it really addresses it well. And, and maybe one of the greatest ways that, that it really calls us to think, consider grace is this. Just to, um, in 1 Peter 4.10, it says this, Just as each one of us have received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the very grace of God. Hey, I, don't, I don't know, have you thought about stewardship that way in this series yet? That, that if I've received God's grace, and, and I understand that grace has to do a work in me, then come out of me, if I, haven't, if I haven't really started letting God's grace come out of me in the ways that it's worked in me, then, then I'm not being a good steward of it. And, and we've seen evidence in the Bible that, that that's where the breakdown many times happens in, in, in a believer's life. It's God does start something in us. He is faithful. But when we don't continue the work with Him, then... We stop experiencing that grace. Now, um, in verse 6, the, the conversation changes. And, and we start to see this isn't just about us being humble and showing humility on the outside of us. There's something very specific that's going to attack our ability to be humble that happens a lot on the inside of us. I really, really want you to hear this because if you don't struggle in this area, um, you probably know somebody that does. And, and in just a minute, I think you'll hopefully see that if, that if you truly strive to be humble, then you will have a struggle on some level, on some day in this. In verse 6, humble yourselves. I mean, because that, that, that's, that's got to be the goal, right? Like, that's got to be the task at hand because if, if God gives grace to the humble and he resists the proud, then, then I've got to figure out, okay, what does it mean to humble myself? Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you at the proper time. See, see God is doing a work because he knows our, our prideful tendencies. He knows that we have this desire to get attention and, and to be paid attention to and, and to be loved on and we want to be um, we want to be known but but God God frames that in a gospel frame and he says listen I will exalt you there will be times that I give you attention and want you to have attention but but if you are in the right heart frame set mindset at that time it won't be you just that gets attention it'll be you giving attention to me and others will see Jesus in that and, and, and that's an incredible work that God does it says so that he may exalt you at the proper time Casting all your cares, many translations have begun to render that word anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now, we're going we're gonna to be here for a minute, okay, because this is so critical for us to get. Now, here's a couple things. One, um, if, if the translation that you're reading starts casting with a capital C, um, that's, not, that's not the most accurate way to translate this this particular set of verses um I, I, I all my english teachers will probably be proud because i'm going to use the word participle now don't want to bust their bubbles but um i didn't grab participles when i was in middle school and high school 
This is something that I really grew in appreciation on when I was doing seminary stuff and we were studying some translations thing, you know, translation issues and stuff like this. And, and this, is so, this is so key to know. Because casting, because casting is used in this form, it, it can't be another thought. Um, in other words, uh, when your kids are little and, and they first start going in and kind of like taking a bath, taking a shower themselves, right? You, you, you tell them something, like you tell them, say, hey, listen, you, you know, go take a shower, go take a bath. Remember, you, go take a bath, wash behind your ears, right? Clean your feet, scrub your pits. I'm sorry, that may have offended some of you, but I have three boys. Um, we, we say that not because taking a bath and, and washing that specific issue clean, it, not because it's two different tasks, it, it's all part of the same thing, right? Like, to, to take that bath, to take that shower, to be clean, that's got to be part of the process. So in being humble, part of the process is casting. We can't be humble if we carry our own worries and anxieties. We can't. It's impossible. Because carrying them ourselves says, I've got this. I can control this. This is, this, is, this is everything that I can handle in this moment and moving forward. So there's a comma there for a reason. But, but here's, here's the perplexing part of this for me. I'm going, okay, the call to humility, if, if, God, if God gives grace to the humble and, and hum, humility is supposed to be what we show, humble is who Christ is, shouldn't humility lead to um, a better self-esteem? Shouldn't humility lead to less struggles internally? Shouldn't humility lead to just a smoother life in general? Honestly, no. And, and here's why. I want to I I pose this question to you and, and at the same time answer it. Why would humility create anxiety? Why would humility create anxiety? And here's some reasons that, that I listed out here. Humility asks for help. Humility admits failure. Humility means serving others. Humility apologizes. Humility doesn't have every answer. If we, if we actively do those things, think those things, and express those things, we are going to go through ego-level attacks. We're going to feel not so sure of ourselves. We're going to feel like we've messed up sometimes. We're going to feel like we need to wait on someone's forgiveness. We need to feel like we're going to know that I have to put my needs and my concerns somewhat to the back seat for those of others. And we will, we will at times be in danger of feeling not valued, not paid attention to, maybe not even loved not prioritize, that we, will, we will be at risk of those things. You may say, well, you're a horrible salesman. Well, no, actually I'm not. I can, I, I, I can sell. I made some good money in it for a while in my life. This isn't about selling Christianity. This is about us, us discovering that, that God, in, in calling us and wanting us to be humble, hasn't just put us at exposure. He's given us the perfect way to handle it. Did you catch that? He's given us the perfect way to handle it. Because the way we handle it is in casting all your cares 
your anxieties on him. Now, for many of us, we go, okay, simple concept. Heard it many times before, Pastor. We're not supposed to carry. We're supposed to cast. Anybody still wondering in life how we do this? Because this is not, it's, it's very understandable. Doesn't that frustrate you sometimes when something is so clearly understood but so hard to actually do? Well, one thing I want to, uh, a few things I want to I talk to you about this. Um, one is this, when we think about this, this idea of casting, this word is only used one other time in the New Testament. Um, it's used in Luke when Jesus is riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. And they talk about people that were taking off their coats and, and they were laying them across the donkey for Jesus to ride on, right? So, so what was happening was they were taking something off of themselves and they were then putting it across that animal and, and, and it was still their garment, but that animal was carrying the weight of it. Does that make sense? So now let's take that into how do we see our cares and anxieties and our worries. If, if you think that casting it means you have to be totally disattached from it, that's what I call in counseling sessions as an unhealthy expectation. You'll likely find yourself discouraged and feeling like you failed at something because you still care about it and you still feel connected to it. It's not about totally not having it as part of your life anymore but it is about going through a process that shifts the weight of it from our shoulders to God's. Now there's a key in that, there's a huge key in that, that we must anchor our souls into. And, and you're going to need to believe this for this to be able to work. And it's in this small phrase that comes after that. Because, in other words, th th this is all possible but it's also it also should happen for this reason because he cares about you now i know my own struggles with worry and anxiety enough to bet on this there will be there will be people that will hear this message and and one of your greatest convictions in life is is that either someone or maybe even no one truly cares about you. Now there's a million things that your friends and family could, could, could bring up that would deny that, but, it, but it's become true in your core beliefs and, and, it, and it has become self-fulfilling prophecy in your life. We must believe that God sincerely cares about us if we're going to be able to even begin to try to go through this process. There is a reason why I know and I have confidence that I can sit down and talk to my wife, Wendy, about anything in the world. And yes, so much of it is based in her walk with Jesus that I've seen for, for the last 20 years of our life, our marriage. But, but essentially, I know and I believe in my heart that she cares deeply about me. And that invites me into that conversation. Now, there may be some things that I don't want to say at times. There may be some things that I get frustrated with. There may be some things that I, I self-consciously I go, I don't know that I want her to know that this is what I'm thinking or this is what I struggle with. But, but I know that the invitation is there because of her great love for me. And, and because we can grasp that in our minds, we then can be opened up to a greater degree of intimacy in our own relationship with God in this area.
So step one, I would suggest to you is this. We must get specific with a worry, a care, or an anxiety. Like we generally believing this is great, but if we don't get into specifics, when, when they laid coats on those donkeys, they took one coat off of them, they laid that one coat on the donkey, and that was a transfer of the burden. If, if we just kind of stay vague on this in our minds, we're not going to experience God's specific grace in an area inside of us real enough and working in our lives to then be able to even share that with somebody else. Because how, how, do, we, how do we share it? Yeah, I mean, if we just stay vague on this, we'll have nothing to share outside of the promise of God's word, but we won't be able to tell, hey, in this specific area in my life, this is what God has done. So number one, we've got to get specific, whether that means journaling it down, maybe that means really saying, okay, God, I'm going to say these words, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to really dig in on this one, because the second step is this. Um, the way we express that, the way we do that shifting, much of the way we do that shifting is, is not only anchored into all right, understanding what God says about it, but, it, but it's got to be a constant conversation. That's how we, I communicate with my wife over stuff that, that, that I'm sharing with her, that I need her to help, me, help carry with me in life, um, friendships, all those kind of things. So, so we have to do that. Um, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God will surpass all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Th- that's, a, that's a faithful statement that Paul has written Inspiration of the Holy Spirit, looking back at a whole lot of his life. That's got to be a daily, Lord, i got to talk to you about this again. We have to, I, I need conversation time with you about this. I need you to work in my soul and in my heart. Lord, I am in my mind realizing and acknowledging you can carry the weight of this better than I can. And I, and I need to look at what would you have me do? What, would, what, what could be my part, Lord, as you carry this weight? How would you use me? But Lord, what is it that you just need to reshape my mind in? And, and in those two steps, getting specific and, and really putting the, the care, the worry, the anxiety into a practice of prayer and expressing it that way is, is, is our beginning to see God's grace over that thing. Because for us to be humble and receive His grace, we must do that. Worrying says... Just worrying on our own, just, just rehearsing it, my mind says, God, I, I, I ultimately, if I do this for long enough, I'll come up with a solution um, because I'm not coming to you. That's pride, right? I mean, does that not sound like pride? And what does God do? He resists the proud. In other words, he goes, I got, I got all this grace to give. Nobody to give it to. And that's, that's, a, scary, that's a scary thought. But we've heard the truth of how the solution works out in our life. He follows it up. He says, be sober-minded, be alert. Is is, is it going to be easy? No, because why? Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion. Um, There's there's this great, um, I don't watch a lot of nature shows, but I know this basic thought. If you're being hunted by a lion, you won't know it. Right? If a a lion is going to kill its prey, it's not roaring, going, hey, look at me. I'm the fastest guy in the jungle. No, he's not. She's not. So a lion that's hunting, it's quiet, is undetectable, and it can kill. The devil can't kill you. The, the, the pain that I've experienced in my life 
if it's really connected to an attack of Satan, at some point, most likely, I've given in to that attack. And I've helped the hunt. The, the devil wants to create fear. That's what the roar is. Um, I don't know if you've lived in the South long, but there are words that um, only really live in this area. And, and one of those words is squinch. You know what squinch is? Um, squinch is what your butt does when you get real scared. Like it squinches up. Does that make sense? We all speak in the same language now? Okay, we're good. Squinch is what your butt does when you get real scared. If you're out, you out on a safari and you hear that roar, what do you do physically? Say it. You squinch. Some of y'all said it at home, on, well, on video, and y'all just you're alone in your house. Because we get scared. Scared, scared is what, is what Satan wants us. He wants us fearful. Because if we're afraid and we're not bold, then we're not going to actively live for the Lord and in, in the power that he can give us and the grace he can give us in the way that we really should. He's looking for anyone that he can devour, and, and the devouring is, is begun in that fear. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. Um, if you read the end of First Peter five, I mean the end of First Peter five. If you read all through First Peter, um, he's he connects our relationships with others with this idea of grace. Um, it, grace will always live in you stronger, work in you stronger, and communicate out of you better as you live in community and good, healthy relationships with other believers, as you talk about this stuff, as you work through it together. Because most of the time, we are not strong enough just on our own to just get this, get it right, use it, and just be done with it. We need each other. It says, remember, I mean, what's the one of the assurances here? Other people are experiencing the same kind of things that you and I are. Verse 10, the God of all grace. Now, that does not say the God, um, that God is the God of only grace. Because in the Bible, it does not deny that, that God gives out things besides grace. Some of them not what we want. But all the grace that we do receive is from God, is of God. The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself, this is what his work will be in grace, restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while to him be dominion forever. Amen. You say, hold on a second. Why, why do we got to suffer a little while? Like, why, why have to go through that? It, it's, it's part of, as we follow Christ, Christ, if we look at his life, did he do everything right? Yes, but he also suffered. But suffered for a purpose. And, and we all, I think, are old enough to realize that, that we can't escape suffering. So, so I, I like the, the grace gift of that, that it has a timeline to it. Notice it says, suffer for a little while. Now, that little while may be in measure of eternity, or it may be a measure of just, if, if a lifespan is 80 years, it may be six months. But that, that reference there to time tells us that, that suffering will not last forever, and that there is a work of grace that will do all those things, all those things in us, and that we can also be ready to share them. There's a couple of um, there's a couple of passages I want to I want to wrap this up with 
And one of them is actually the, the passage that Dale read um, during worship before this message. So I do want to say this about grace because we won't ever get away from grace in presenting the gospel. But as we step out of less intentional messages about grace, I, I do want to fairly say this. Um, you and I will need to decide in life when it comes to the subject of, of grace and all that can do. Do I trust the Lord enough to not just believe in Jesus, but to really follow this life that he's laid out that, that is a Jesus follower? Do, do I trust him enough that he is who I'll get grace from? Do I trust him enough that the grace will, will outweigh and measure the despair, the bitterness, the brokenness? Do I believe that he can do the golden repair of my life? Do, do I trust that and believe that? We will have to answer that question because if we don't, then we will, we will stay in pride and, and that's who God resists and, and we, we won't get grace. So we have to answer that question when it comes to this, this understanding about grace. Peter acknowledges this in chapter 4 of this same letter, verse 19. So then, let those who suffer according to God's will, in other words, the, the, the things that God knows will help grow us, that will be difficult, that are for His purpose, those who suffer according to God's will entrust themselves to a faithful creator while doing what is good. We have to entrust ourselves. We have to, we have to decide God, am I willing to put my life truly in your hands? Like, God, I get that you control so many things, but, but, but am I willing to relinquish some decision-making until I've heard from your wisdom? Am I willing to parent the way that you tell me to parent? Am I, am I willing to, to go begin counseling in the areas that you've shown me? that? Are, am I willing to, to do what you've saved me for, what you've prepared for me to do as part of your glory and your story? Remember, Peter wrote this letter to people that were struggling. This, this is not the people who were living a perfect life. Um, Lamentations. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah wrote the book of, wrote the book of Lamentations. Um, and, and Dale read out of chapter 3. And, 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 and all worship pastors, worship pastors that are worth their salt, will always read out of chapter 3 during worship. Why? Because 1, 2, 4, and 5 are a totally different story. You don't want those verses read during a worship session. They do not. They do not promote, I just want to call out to Jesus. I just want to sing and raise my hands. Those chapters make us want to run and hide. And the people of Israel, God's people, were in the middle of destruction. And Jeremiah was lamenting. In chapter 3, God helps him to take a break from it. And in that break is where those verses that Dale read, and, and I'm going to read, come from. But I want to make sure that you catch these because there's a lot of weight in these verses. Now, I want, I want, to, I want you to think about, okay, i got to decide, do I trust God with my life to be able to walk in grace and receive grace? And what will I need to acknowledge to be able to walk this journey with Him? Verse 22 says this, because of the Lord's faithful love, um, that term is, is kind of tough to translate sometimes out of Hebrew. Um, it's hesed. 
And that is... That little phrase is every promise that God can make, that He does make, that He keeps in our failure. He still is God and He still is loving and, and He still wants to forgive and He's open to restore. And, and it, it's everything that is the relationship that we desperately need that we never deserve. This is grace language in the Old Testament. That, that because of the Lord's faithful love, because of that, we do not perish. Now, does that mean that Jeremiah was at an easy point in life? No. He's saying ultimately that there is nothing that I can lose. There's nothing I can lose. There's nothing I can gain that I really need that doesn't come from, from just God and his, his, his ability to love and promise and keep promises. Like, Is that the kind of is that the kind of relationship that we've actually experienced with the Lord and walked in? That, that, that relationship that we know that there's somebody that just cares so deeply for me that I can run to them with every care and anxiety that I have. It says, for his mercies. Some translations use the word his compassions. Now, mercy, a lot of times we think of mercy as, as not getting what we actually deserve. Um, this word really means compassions. And compassion. And, and in the Hebrew, it's Rahamim. And it's, it's interesting because so many times we hear God described as, the, as this good father, this, this father that we can go to. That word is most often used in mothers in having a, a, a new a baby in their womb and, and nursing that baby and caring for that infant child. That word is most often used in this amazing sense that a mother has to protect the life of her child, give life to her child, and, gi and, and give every bit of love and care and attention that that baby needs when, when it, can't, it, it can't take care of itself. That's how that word most of the time is used, and it carries that same kind of heart here, and it says, for his mercies, his compassions, that, that, that sense of everything that, that I can't do for myself never end. That, that nurturing that God will do, because I, I just, I'm stubborn, and I don't, I don't listen well enough, and I don't do it well enough, it, it just, it will never end. Those compassions, it says, they are new every morning. Now, sometimes you ever have a day to where you just realize, like, at, at 6.30 a.m., I had no idea that that was coming at 2 o'clock? You just get a lot of stuff dropped on you, and you, you kind of start work. Work went very differently that day. Family went very differently that day than, than what you thought. You know, I'm thinking even now, as we've got um, a dear family member of our church family and Robin um, over at Beacon Place, um, she is... For every every day now, she is she is stepping into a part of her journey that she's never experienced. Danny is that he's never experienced. Her kids are that they've never experienced. And and grace is greater than all the things that I haven't experienced yet. <laughs> That's why we can trust. If if I really believe that this is God. Then, then tomorrow can't be bigger and badder than he is. So it can't be without hope. It can't be without joy. 
It says, great is your faithfulness. Now, there's a, there's a couple of letters that are put on the, in that word that, that get translated sometimes, amen. In other words, it's like saying that statement, and that statement is in agreement with itself. You ever say something so funny you just laugh at it? I, I, my middle son walks around the house, and he just sometimes just starts laughing. It's because of what he thought of. He just cracked himself up in his head. Like, in his, his mind, he's just, he was so funny that it just, like, it finally had to come out. Like, he just, he's in agreement with his own humor. This statement is in agreement with itself. It says, great is thy faithfulness. Amen. I mean, it, it's just, it, 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 that's the ending point. There's like, there's a punctuation there. It's not great is your faithfulness if we perform well, God. It's just great is your faithfulness regardless of what I do. I say, Jeremiah confesses, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will put my hope in him. See, Jeremiah had realized something, and this is a, this is a crazy thing to really kind of wrap your brain around. They're living through one of the most destructive times in their history as the children of God. Now, God had said, and, and he had made it known. Other nations knew that God had warned his own children, you better, you better repent, you repent and turn back to me. And there came a point where, where God, to be faithful, had to do what he said he would do because he would be lying if he didn't. Like his, his goodness and his grace had overflowed so much and they were just rejecting it. And what does it say? God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. They would not be humble. So he had to bring that difficult, destructive season into their life. And, and Jeremiah wraps his brain around And this has got to be a mind-blowing moment, okay? Mind-blowing moment. He, he, he realizes, God, you are faithful. In fact, what we're experiencing is still your faithfulness. You're actually proving yourself to nations that don't know you, and, and your promise, but your promise has also already been made to restore us. So, so that's our hope. But even when you do that, you'll prove yourself again. And Jeremiah's mind is blown because he's going, Holy cow, God, you're faithful in every way that you can be. And, and for many of us, that doesn't play out on a national scale. For many of us, it plays out on this scale that we talked about last week. We go, God, for, for you to be able to do golden repair, that means there has to be brokenness. So if God, your faithfulness is, is that even in, in this world, you've, you've allowed in your grace me to be broken in some way so that I could experience this part of you. I could have lived in ignorance, but, but now I know you so much more intimately. And I could share you with, with somebody that's going through the same kind of thing. God's grace. And the question is just worth asking. Is that the level that you've come to? Or even maybe you're just at the beginning of it that you feel like, yes, Lord, I need to trust you that on that in that way. I need to trust you that significantly. Maybe I haven't done it before. But I need to now. I need to begin that because it's, 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 Lord, it's for you, but it's also for my marriage, my family, my kids, my, my, my testimony at work, my, my, my lost family. And free. It, it, it's all you, Jesus. Because we're not going to know when that serious phone call or diagnosis hits our house. 
you and I will both, and, tr- and trust me, I get it, you, you will deal with people on the same level I deal with people. Your heart will be to love, and, and, and they will see it so much their way, they don't really care how you see it. And you'll have to find a way to apologize when you know you're not even understood. And that's hard. And, and, and you know that you didn't create it necessarily. But you were trying. I mean, there's so many things that are going to come up in life. But grace, grace is there for all of them. So as we work together as a church family, together we'll need to continue this. Figuring out how do we actively, intentionally trust the Lord in these ways to experience the amazing measure. Not of what we don't want in our life, but the grace we desperately need. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? As the invitation has been all through this series, we, we want you to experience the grace of God and knowing that you have a relationship with Jesus. And the invitation is still here today. If you want to know that you've begun that relationship, you want to have confidence that you've begun that relationship. We'll be up front this morning and, and be around after the service to talk to you about that. It's, you don't have to be a theologian to understand words like forgiveness and and love and trust. And that's the language that God speaks in when he talks about being saved. But if there's something that you also want prayer over, this will be the time that we're up here and ready for it with you. But as this question has come up, and we've seen an, a very specific thing, how, how, to, how to cast well and not carry continually. It's one of many steps on the path to being humble in a way that God shows us to be able to receive His grace. And, and we want to be here to help you with that in every way that we can. And I say we because so many people at this church feel that same way. Just meditate over His Word. I, I, there, there's, that's just what's on my heart right now. I feel like the Lord is just, just prompting me to ask you, would you, will you just hold these things in your heart? And keep them there and, and meditate on them and, and study them further and, and have conversations about them. Father God, thank you so much for your love and your grace. And God, even as I say that word, Lord, it just means more now than it's ever meant in my whole life. And, and it's fuller and it's richer and it's, it's better. And I'm more fearful now that I'll miss it than ever. Lord, but I don't want to live in fear. I want to live in faith. That's what you call all of us to. So, Lord, help us to trust that it is you that gives grace and you that will guide us now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand to your feet as we sing?